1: A tie! It's a tie! How are you not excited for this? We tied the bastards. It hurt them more than it hurt us, believe me. Believe me. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast slash postgame show. We're rolling both into one today. It's a tie! It's a tie! It's not a loss, it's a tie! The lions can't go. 0 and 17. That's what this means. And it means the Steelers hate themselves more than you probably hate Ryan Santoso for missing that field goal for putting no energy at all into that field goal. I'm sorry, Ryan Santoso. We love you. We love your mustache, but, and yeah, more than probably you hate Jared Goff for throwing probably the worst game I have ever seen from a human being trying to play the sport of American football. It doesn't matter. The lions got a tie 70 minutes that I will never have back. I ended this game going to the toilet to throw up not because of the game itself, but because I ate a bad lunch and I started to throw up either way. That's where I was in this game. I am Christopher Fett, the adequate host at Christopher Fett on Twitter, Ryan Matthews, the rock God is here at Ryan underscore POD and Jeremy Reisman, their fearless leader at Detroit online guys. I've got the mask on. It's a
2: tie. Aren't you excited? No. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. No. That was some of the most unentertaining entertainment I've ever had. And I almost mean that in a positive way. It was a sight to behold that fourth quarter and that overtime. That
1: overtime was a work of art,
2: Jeremy. They were just trading opportunities for the other team. Here, you take the game. No, you take the game. Eh, Nah, you take it. It 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 was as Midwest of a game as you could possibly get. As, as both teams were just being completely polite to the other team. And uh, it, it was just kind of a, it was a, here, you take it off. And, a very, uh, a
1: very, a very gentlemanly game coached by future USC head coach, Mike Tomlin. I appreciate that out of him. You, be, you better be careful. He'll jump in the zoom and, and strangle you. I welcome him <laughs> after seeing that game. I welcome death.
0: Mm, you do? You welcome death? You? <laughs> I welcome the great You don't want to even be around anymore. <laughs> Look, Look, here's okay. the thing. Okay. I, I, I want I want to highlight the ESPN uh, headline for this game: "Comedy of Errors as Steelers Lions slog to
1: 16-16 tie." <laughs> <laughs> I definitely use comedy of errors, maybe twice that, in my post game recap. That was that, that that's probably like as much as I hate that people keep using that Shakespeare title over and over again. There's no other way to describe what we saw in that in that overtime as both Mason Rudolph and Jared Goff had to start throwing the ball, which meant that it put them both in the worst positions possible. Mason Rudolph to turn the ball over and Jared Goff to see someone coming up the middle uh, to sack him and decides rather than either trying to eat the sack or stepping up, he's just going to wheel backwards 10 yards before getting sacked all, all the same.
0: Uh, I I, I want to just read the second half in, into overtime, the drive results. Please, please do. The Lions come out and score a touchdown and then a field goal from the Steelers and then it's Punt, 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 field goal, punt, 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 end of half, punt, fumble, miss field goal, punt, punt, fumble.
2: <laughs> it's beautiful. How, how can you guys, I don't understand how anyone is upset right now. We just got to witness something that, that you, I mean, we witnessed a, a D3 college game at the professional level. That is an insult to Division Three, Jeremy. Ep, no, it is not.
1: <laughs> that it,
0: it is an insult to Division Three quarterbacks because 14 of 25 for 114
1: yards and 4 points. And like yards, thir- a throw, he, say- had, he had 11 yards at halftime. Listen, we need a better way to calculate throwing yards for a quarterback because I swear to God, half of those are yards after completion. Like half of those yards come because he throws five yards to Amon Ross St. Brown who gets him an extra 19 on top of it.
2: Yeah, no problem. No, no it, question. It was um, so, it
0: was so bad, Jeremy. But the thing is, is that by going completely away from Jared Goff and running the ball on like third and distance downs, the team had the best opportunity to to win. They, I guess. they,
1: they, it worked right up until the Steelers realized, oh, they're running the ball because Jared Goff can't throw and then stack the box. But other than that, I agree with you. And guess what? DeAndre Swift gets a hundred, an over hundred yard rushing day, Jeremy. You can't take that
2: away from him. It's true. But if I take away his longest, no, I'm just oh, going to shut up! Um, no, no. But, even if you take, hold no, on. I know, even if know, you take I away his longest 20, I know, but I'm
1: going to beat you down right now. You stupid, <laughs> you stupid <laughs> 130 yards long of 21. Guess what, Jeremy, you take away the long, he's still over a hundred yards. Bam. Well, hey,
0: guess what? Weren't, weren't you the guy who called Matt Riddick on the last podcast, Chris? Yes, I was.
1: <laughs>
2: Got him. I will I uh, still. No, that. Okay, let's let's talk about the Lions' offense because I think that's obviously the headline of this yes, game. Yes, I,
1: well, let's talk. Let's talk. We'll talk. We'll save Santoso for a second here sure. because of what happened there, and we're going to do a deep dive on Jared Goff as much as I don't want to, but yes, let's start on the rest. Of the
2: well, podcast. okay. So there's there's a couple headlines here. One is the running game was working for two and a half quarters the, I think maybe the, the biggest headline though is is Dan Campbell kind of buried the lead all week when he said you know I want to I want a bigger imprint on this offense he didn't want a bigger imprint he t- he grasped away play calling duties from Anthony Lynn in this one and he yeah, confirmed it was up game, in the booth
1: yeah, yeah Lynn was and- up in the booth and he was like he had a switcher on his uh radio to talk to both Lynn and to Jared Goff's headset
2: Yes. Yes. And yeah, I mean, the head coach usually gets to talk to everybody outside right. of the quarterback. There's only one person that's allowed to talk to the quarterback. And in that this case, it was uh, Dan Campbell. And he confirmed after the game, he was calling the place. He wasn't relaying calls. He was making the calls. And that is kind of a bold move for a head coach who has been promising, like collaboration and everyone getting together and allowing surrounding yourself with smart people and allowing them to do your jobs. That's not exactly what he just did in this game. And the results were, I, I don't know, like I, I wouldn't really consider them better. I mean, yeah, they were able to run They're the mixed. ball of a hell of a lot, but like that second half was a freaking disaster. Yep. And all, all of these third down, third and nine, third and 10 draw plays. Like I understand one of them worked, but you can't like continue to go to that. Well, and then they finally did a kind of an interesting like play action bubble screen and it worked. And then two plays, like three plays later, they tried the exact same thing and it didn't work. So it's like, I don't, did that offense really look any different to you guys with Dan Campbell calling plays?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, 39 carries for
1: 229 yards at 5.9 yards a pop. Like I will give it this. It's not, it's, it's not run, run, pass, but it is now more like pass, run, run. I I, I don't know if that's an improvement.
0: Well, but I, I think, I think situationally, and you have to add context to this, it was not, it was not great conditions for this game. I mean, between, between the rain and I saw, you know, Ben Raven mentioned something that this was the last game that they were going to play on, on this field with like this turf until they replaced it. Like, I mean, it, it looked like a slog and it looked like a game that had to be won on the ground because we'll, we'll get to Jared Goff, but like you can only do so much with him. And when you take him out of the equation and you add somebody like Taylor Decker back to the offense. Like we, we mentioned it on the last podcast. Like if the lions were going to have an opportunity to win, it was going to be like getting a guy like Decker back yeah. and look what it did to the run game. I mean, all of a sudden Deandre, Swift had, well, I, Hey, we, I think we can all agree that Matt Nelson is a hell of a six offensive lineman. <laughs> he, he's an awesome additional tackle. Um, but I don't think it's any coincidence. And I mentioned this before, but like, I don't think it's a coincidence that Decker comes back and a guy who can run off the tackles like Swift has his best game of his career, especially against a, a, you know, the Steelers
1: run defense, nothing to sneeze at. Iguabuque has a pretty good day too. And uh, I mean, right up until he got hurt right off the gate, Jamar Jefferson was a bowling ball that you, you mentioned the turf. That was the hard part of this game on how many injuries have come out of this game, Ryan. And, I used to see it a lot with just, I mean, I understand people like natural surfaces, but the problem with trying to raise Kentucky bluegrass in the North is unless you have like an in-house agricultural program, like a Penn state or a Michigan state, or you invest massive in hydroponic fields like Lambeau field does, it's going to turn into that at some point. And that's what they were dealing with at, at, at Heinz field. And I just hope that some of these injuries were because of that. And obviously Tracy Walker was not because of that, but there's still a lot of injuries to suss out from this. And it's going to hurt in the long run. Like a lot of the struggles I thought late in the game were coming because injuries had just piled up. They lost weapons. And like, I, I, by the end of that game, Deandre Swift had to have been exhausted, carrying the ball 30 times. (laughs) He just couldn't go to anyone else.
2: But I mean, there there just has to be some sort of answer. I know Jared Goff is your quarterback. I know this wide receiving core is what it is, but like, right. You can't, you can't tell me there's not a play for third and eight that doesn't involve a bubble screen or a draw play. Like, this, that's what I was hoping. That's, that's what Dan Campbell's saying. All, all is, is like, we have to, at some point, give these wide receivers a chance to make a play. We have to push the ball downfield. And yes, they had an opportunity early in the game, and Jared Goff underthrew it by five yards. That's true. But, like, you got, you got to a point in this game in which the Sears are like, all right, we're just not going to allow you to run the ball do something else. And the lines never did anything else. And and when the running game doesn't work and you're into a third and eight, you have to throw something other than your fastball, which is apparently a drop play. That's your best third and yep. eight play on your play sheet. You got to find something else. And I was really hoping that they were going to find something else. And listen, it's not easy. It's not easy for any of these guys, but when, when Dan Campbell's enters the room and he says, listen, we, we got to push the ball downfield. I, I got to come up with some new things. I got to be more involved because what we're doing isn't working. They just ended up doing what they do.
1: We all thought going into this week that Amon Ross St. Brown was going to play a much larger role in the game. And late in the game, he had some big catches, but yeah, it's at that point, it's too little too late. It seems to be always be the case with Amon Ross St. Brown. TJ Hawkinson ends this game with a goose egg with more, with more penalties than targets.
2: To me, that's unacceptable. Like, you, you try that seam route to him and it ends up getting picked off, but you get bailed out by, by holding call. Jared Goff almost got him killed by the way. True. Yeah. True. But I, I mean, I'm just like, don't, if you're, if you're just going to do this the rest of the season, don't feed me bullshit that we're going to push the ball downfield. Just don't feed me that. And, and maybe, maybe the opportunities were there. I think late in the game, when the lines knew they had to start throwing it all downfield, that's when Goff just kept taking statue stacks or spin move sacks where he had some time to, to find someone open. And again, just refusing to release it. And then, you know, a couple of times when he does, he did throw it and he wasn't very accurate. So it was, I mean, it was a pretty horrific day from him. Um, Even though he threw the ball, what, 20 times or something, 25, but I feel like eight of those maybe came in overtime. So it's just like, I don't know, like, I don't really come away feeling that much better if at all from this offense. Like I'm glad they were able to get the, the run game going a little bit here, but when they needed it at its most, they, they they didn't have it, and so um, you you need as I put on Twitter, you need something other than your fastball. You you need something different. Otherwise, teams are you you can't be a one dimensional team. Like even even the Titans, Derrick Henry, that team throws the ball pretty darn well, but every single play action that this team tried to run, someone was either right in Jared Goff's, Goff's face right away, or he's throwing an inaccurate pass, or he's doing spin moves, or nothing just nothing. And now, you're not going to win a football game like that. You how much, One apparently.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I get that the, that the weather was a factor. I guess the big question was like, we knew that Jared Goff was apparently hurt in this game. True. Like they were, they were trying to put heating pads on his lower back. But I, I guess my question is, and I know going to David blouse, not a great option, but if your quarterback is so hurt, he can't even throw the ball. Like at, at what point do you just, Again, his own performance aside, we're going to get to that because that's a whole bag of worms. But like the insistence to keep him in, if he was hurt and you're insisting on keeping him in, that seems problematic too. Because clearly you've you've, you've basically conceded that he can't throw the ball no matter what at that point, be it physical or talent, but he's not throwing the ball no matter what at that point. And when he does, it's just nothing.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. We we all know who Jared Goff is. That's why I'm not totally shocked that they can't scheme up something to get him to work. Because he I he's just incapable. Like we we know what Jared Goff is capable of and he's not capable of doing the things that like Jeremy says, you know, it's disingenuous for Dan Campbell to say, Hey, we have to take more shots down the field and things like that, but how, how can you, when you just listed off all of those things like Jared Goff still, I mean, there's still pressure on him when he has time to throw he's, I mean, he's checking it down. Like he he's so locked into his reads, like that one play in the, in the red zone where he tries to go for that screen to TJ Hawkinson, when TJ Hawkinson's still like engaged in his block, like he those threw times. that ball because he's like, that's where the ball's going on this play. Like there's nowhere else. Like that's where the ball's going. Screen and, plays were a
2: disaster today,
0: man. No, they were ter- they're oh, terrible. God. And and for as bad as Jared Goff was, Mason Rudolph was equally as bad. Like <laughs> if, if if May- if Mason Rudolph doesn't have a a horrific game because fifty passes, thirty completions. We uh, Jared Goff had a 4.6 average. Mason Rudolph had a 4.8
1: average. How many of those? By the way, I'm curious. to See how many of those Mason Rudolph throws are going to get counted as like turnover worthy plays, <laughs> because they were they were into some bleep well, more I mean, than there, a few times. They were th- there were turnover worthy plays, but then there were plays where like
0: he missed receivers who were yep. wide open. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean Over-trail, that would have yeah. that that would have that would have extended drives on you know slant routes and you know just up. I mean he was so inaccurate. And this is I mean, this is probably what this is what results in this game being a tie is how bad the quarterback play is. I I think that if Ben Roethlisberger plays this game, I I I have a feeling that the
1: Steelers probably pull this one out. Probably because we don't we don't get any pressure. We've got no pressure on Mason Rudolph whatsoever.
0: The only play game. that the only play that Mason Rudolph was a plus over Ben Roethlisberger was
1: when he reversed <laughs> the freaking field yeah. and yeah. ran for like twenty seven yeah. yards. True. Like I, I feel like the game plan, if you were going to beat Ben Roethlisberger, was put, put pressure on him, and in that way, the the Steelers' offensive line completely beat you. There was no pressure on Mason Rudolph almost this entire game.
2: Oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to move to defense yet because I feel okay. like I okay. feel like okay. we have to talk about some positive things, right? Like because the no, offensive there, there line for the most part. Was a positive, right? Like, hey, Taylor Decker's
1: back, and there's not a problem with Panay Sewell at the right tackle right now uh, on the first skate out of the uh, first game out of the gate for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the, the lines did employ, I guess, the, the most different strategy that that Dan Campbell employed was employing that, that that sixth offensive line and Matt Nelson for most of the game, and then they they had to change when when Nelson suffered an injury. But it was working. The lines were kind of imposing their will on on the Steelers, and and as Ryan said earlier, like this is not. A, a pushover Steelers defensive front. And I know they lost TJ Watt about halfway through this game or three quarters of the way through this game or whatever it was, but listen, like that's, this is how the lines are, are going to win games, right? This, this is the, the how 4 you're going to tie games. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, this this is how they want to win games. I guess I should say is, <laughs> yeah. is is really in, imposing their will, being physical, running the ball, and the, 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 the thing that is still missing is being able to do it into the second half. I mean, you look at DeAndre Swift's production in the first half. He runs the ball 13 times for 73 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. Second half, 20 rushes, 57 yards, 2.9 yards per carry. That ain't going to cut it.
0: Well, also going into this game, his career high in rushing attempts was 16 and right. this now was a game it. where, yeah, this guy got ran into the ground, literally. And, he, he,
2: and it kind of makes you wonder if, if Jamal Williams is in the game, maybe they're a little bit better towards the end Jamar of the game. Jefferson, I'm, I'm kind of the surprised they, they went away from Godwin, though. Like, he, he has that big run and never touches the ball again. And he only got two carries in this game. Yeah, okay. it, was, it was a first. He got a first down right before his touchdown run. Then he had the big touchdown run. Didn't touch the ball again. And listen, I know Swift's your playmaker. I know he had a really good first half. But if you're trying to be physical, like Swift, isn't that guy. And he started doing the same things that I would have been frustrated about for the first half of the season, which is bouncing around a little bit and not just kind of hitting the hole there. Not, not that the hole was always there. And, and again, I, I want to give Swift well, a lot I, of credit and I know I started this whole thing saying, let's, let's talk about positive <laughs> things, but um, I don't know. It was just a little bit frustrating not to see Godwin touch the ball again.
1: No, and, I think, but I think I agree with you in that. Like he had to carry the ball 33 times. Yeah. Najee Harris, touched the ball 26. Najee Harris is that kind of back that can get abused, you know, that many times Deandre Swift needs a change of down back. That's not a knock on Deandre Swift. That's just kind of the back. He is. Yeah. Like that's just, (sighs) Um, other than that, I mean, I agree with you on the, the offensive line was the big plus out of this. I was excited to see Matt Nelson. I thought special teams had some pretty, uh, no mixed, mixed day. I thought I mean, there was some ups and there special were special teams. There's besides reason the reason why kick, this team is not one, kicks, in besides one, one in 16. Let, let me, let me, let me put something. this way. When I say special teams, I mean like fielding, punting, punts and kicks.
2: Not, not actually I, the I act guess, of kicking. Yeah. I guess that was a big part of this game since each team punted it probably about 15 <laughs> times based on my basic estimate.
1: I, do you want to talk about Santoso? Cause like. First off, it goes to overtime because of the missed PAT. Mm. Mm. But, I mean, it probably changes the strategy of of the Steelers at the end of the game. But, like, yeah, I mean, just by counting numbers, it would have been 17 to 16. But I don't know what that kick was at the end of the game. It didn't look like it got chipped. It didn't look like it It got blocked. It definitely did not get touched. It was set up. It was set up fine. I didn't see laces in or anything on it. It just... It was just a bad kick.
2: I i don't know. I don't want to hammer a, a backup field goal kicker. And, and maybe part of that is because I interviewed him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we ago. just had him on the maybe, freaking the maybe mustache. Maybe it's because I love Charity his mustache. Yeah. Whatever. But like, yeah, it sucked. It was not a good kick. And it's not a good look to miss a, a game-winning kick and an extra point in a game. And uh, I mean, that's what happens when when you're down to, when you, you're basically, I mean, let's, let's remember how we landed on Ryan Santoso here. We had a training camp battle between kickers, which resulted in no winners. So then we, we claim Austin Scott cyber. We, we bring in Ryan Santoso cyber suffers an injury, I guess, midweek. And, and and all of a sudden we, we have to deal with Santoso, a guy who was punting two or three years ago. So, I mean, it, it's, I don't It, know. Sucks, it, for him it, it sucks. It sucks. For him. It, sucks for, him. it well, sucks for him. It sucks for the lions. It's, well, you can blame them if you want for maybe not. I I know I kind of jokingly put it out there, and I know there are a lot of people that maybe feel this way. But Matt Prater not being resigned, Matt Prater's resigned lines win this game. I think we can all pretty much agree, right? But is is Matt Prater worth you know one in? I know I'm jumping the gun here. One in sixteen versus oh maybe o, or o, 16 and one maybe. Not really. Well, all right. <laughs> what what about? Hold on. What what about
0: two plays before that when the the Lions get it down to Pittsburgh's twenty eight? But there's a holding penalty. Yeah, on T.J. I, Hawkinson. I, I was and screaming. <laughs> it was so bad, so bad. Backs them up to the thirty eight, and they're able to get some yards back with Khalif Raymond. But I don't know. You're closer. You're gonna have a. You're gonna have a whole another down. Like I don't know. It it's it sucks, man. I mean
2: that, that's just like the the first of, of of a lengthy comedy of errors that, that and yes, I'm throwing that out there again. You know, the, the Steelers were very much in a position to win that game and Pat Fryermuth puts the ball on the ground. The Steelers had an opportunity with good field position and snapped the ball 15 yards over Mason Rudolph's head. The Lions right. had got the ball at midfield in overtime and Jared Goff takes a spinny sack for 15 yard loss and can't recover. Like it was just that was one of the more pathetic overtimes I've ever seen. And it's uh it was as funny as it was. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, you've mentioned comedy errors twice,
1: and now I'm about to monologue from that just to end this segment. Uh, when we come back, what do you want to talk about?
2: Defense or Jared Goff? I, what, what are we going to say about Jared Goff that hasn't already been said? He took the Rams to a Super Bowl. <laughs> He's, a, He's a winner.
0: <laughs> He's a tire I was going to say he's officially not winless without Sean McVeigh.
1: Yeah, that's true. I am an ass indeed. You may prove it by my long ears. I have served him from the hour of my activity what? to this instant. And I have nothing oh my at God. his hands okay. for my service, but blows. I will stop there. I will not read the whole monologue. I know Dromeo's monologue by heart. I am a Shakespeare nerd. Screw you. He w- he he is still winless. I know, but he has a tie now. That's that's the important thing, right? Jeremy's giving me a thumbs up. I, I guess yeah, that counts. That, 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 that counts. All right. Let's take a quick break. We're overdue. Um, it is still November. Our mustaches are my mustache at least is getting out of control and itching like hell, which is probably appropriate for this game, but we're going to keep breaking down the Detroit lions first tie of the season. When we come back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast celebrating a tie over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We don't believe in ties. What do you mean about ties? I love a tie. It makes people, it makes old head football fans so goddamn upset. It makes them so upset. It makes <laughs> it because it they they believe that there should only be a win <clears throat> or a loss, that there can't be like a
2: neutral fear result like we clearly had here. I have to imagine Steelers fans are a lot more upset about this one than Lions. Fans.
1: oh yeah, no, they are. They are. They, they, they very much are. They, they very much are. Except for one commenter I saw on behind the steel curtain saying, uh, let me get this right. It's this from Steelers 72. Can you all stop with the hate? We saw today a hard fought game played by two professional teams. This board is so depressing. Um, I have to, Steelers 72. I have to quibble with you that these two teams were professional, but other than that, I, I agree. <laughs>
0: it was, it was professionally bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So we talked a lot in the offense, the first half, uh, do you want to start in on the defense here? Yeah. Other than like, I think the big thing coming out of this is just going to be once again, Jeremy worried sick to death. This defense is probably more decimated by injuries than ever before. Uh, We're going to have to see what happens with Tracy Walker, Trey flowers, um, jerry jacobs jerry, jerry jacobs, jacobs i i feel like i'm missing someone else <clears throat> um um, um, um I think no i think that's it. it i mean obviously jermar jefferson on the offense side but still like those are all big pieces especially with the way tracy walker tracy walker was flying around the field today
2: yeah i mean honestly you can make an argument for those being your, your maybe your top three defenders right now um in jerry jacobs uh tracy walker and Rome, I'm Romeo Carr, uh, Trey Flowers. But, you know, I, I I don't know. The the word I, I want to come up with with this defensive performance is, is gutsy. Like, it wasn't bad. You know, Najee Harris still had a pretty darn good game. He had 105 yards, 4.0 yards per carry. <clears throat> um, you know, that's, that's okay. Um, I thought they did a little bit better defending the run in the second half than they did the first. <clears throat> Nine passes defended. That's interesting. That, that is significant that I didn't realize. And I want, it's tough. Cause I want to give some credit for the secondary. Cause you know, Jerry Jacobs, Samani Oruwari, they both got uh, some hands on passes and even Derek Barnes had a tipped pass and mm-hmm. things like that. But there were also, there were some, just, there were some breakdowns on, you know, the, the first touchdown of the, of the game, there was a, a communication breakdown on a third down. There was another communication breakdown. I felt like, I felt like early in the game when they were passing the ball a little bit more, they found a little bit more success. And then late in the game, the lines kind of, you know, they close up. They only gave up six points in the second half. Um, I was going to say, we talked about this a little bit too. Like there were opportunities
0: for Mason Rudolph to make plays because it seemed like there were lines defenders that were not in either the right spot or they got, they got burdened in in coverage and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. the the one the one play that I keep on thinking about that I absolutely hated was the pass interference call on Oruario. Like yeah. it sucks because he played clean coverage and the only thing he didn't do was turn his head.
2: Right. It's true. Yeah. I and this and I, I guess like maybe a little bit of a shout out to Gilbert who had to come in for uh for uh jerry, jerry jacobs. jacobs
1: yeah uh, and- J-
2: jalen elliot too he mm. almost had an interception J- he should have had an interception yeah. but i don't know it, it's kind of like a mixed bag with gilbert right because he gives up a big pass play in overtime that probably should have ended the game but he has a wherewithal to, to catch right back up to the receiver and, and clearly punch it out in in a, in a huge play that prevented a loss i guess we can we can probably officially oh, say God. almost set up a win but certainly didn't um and I, I think that's that play is kind of emblematic of my thoughts on the secondary in this game like they weren't good but they were gritty and they and they made a couple big plays when when the lines needed them to and, and like you said like we said in the first half like Mason Rudolph missed on a lot of bun- uh, on a bunch of passes it probably would have been a much uglier day with a with a more competent quarterback but if I mean if nine pass defended is is correct that's that's a good enough performance to win And certainly holding a team to 16 points is a good enough performance to win. So you got to feel pretty good about how the defense played overall. I think there are maybe some nitty gritty things we can, we can nitpick here, but um, you know, a a step in the right direction, even though this wasn't a particularly good Steelers offense, even with Brendan Roethlisberger and and what certainly isn't without him. Well, I think we mentioned this before we went to break in the first half. Like if it was
1: Ben Roethlisberger in, I would have been less, happy because clearly the one deficiency of the defense was getting absolutely no pressure on the, on the Steelers line. Now I thought, I thought, you know, what guys they did have up there. I thought Anzalone has still played incredibly well ever since they, you know, ditched Jamie Collins. I think he's played phenomenal, but like this was not a great game for getting, like, I I know Aquara came away with a turnover, but I don't think there were, there were no sacks on the day. There was only four tackles for loss. Like you just weren't, uh, tackling was
2: getting Najee Harris down was difficult. And I mean, it, it's a, yeah, I think, I think pass protect or pass, uh rush. is definitely something to talk about here because not only did the lines not pick up a sack, they didn't pick up a quarterback hit. And, and yeah. Mason dropped back 50 times, 50, five, zero. Like it's one yep. thing if you were Jared Goff and only threw it 11 times through, through three and a half quarters and you didn't pick up a sack. Well, okay. Well, they only dropped back 11 times, drop back 50, 50, 51 if you include the 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 run. Actually, he ran it four times. So he really dropped back to pass 54 times in this game. When the Lions didn't even pick up a quarterback sack. And, you know, they mixed up some blitzes, and uh, I think they did get some pressure on some third downs that, that maybe forced poor throws. But in general, um, they're not winning with a four-man rush right now, and that that is definitely an issue.
0: I think the improvement that we saw from two weeks ago in the Eagles game, though, should, should be celebrated in a way because – while, you know, Najee Harris had a like quote unquote solid game, you know, four point yards of carry. It, it was a huge improvement, I thought, over the, the Eagles game, like the Eagles game. It, it almost looked like there was a there was definitely a little bit of hangover every time the defense took the field and knew that they had to try to stop the Eagles run game when they knew that the offense just wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I think I think the defense played a little bit more inspired today because they were they were in the game all the time and you know they ended up making of i mean without those turnovers it you know this is a pittsburgh win you know without yeah. uh god i'm forgetting the cornerback's name without him punching punching the ball out you know yeah. for the turnover on deontay johnson julian O'Quara getting the interception like yeah i i think this is a much different ball game if the lions
2: don't win the turnover battle no question and You know, I think just, just overall defensively. Yeah. I I think you make a good point in that, you know, the offense again, was not helping out a lot of three and outs in this game. So with, with all those three and outs with a guy like Najee Harris physically imposing you, a lot of teams would, would do worse in the second half, right? Like they would, they would start to get run over and and give up big plays. The longest run uh, for the Steelers on on this day was 20, that 26 yard scramble from Mason Rudolph. Najee Harris didn't have run beyond twelve yards. So Lions did a good job bottling that up. And like I said, they were much better in the second half. Najee Harris, fourteen rushes for forty-five yards in the second half, three point two. I, I will expect it. the defense to kind of give up right there and then because they're tired, they're fit, and they're they're losing their footing out there. They're not getting any. I mean, it, it's got to be mentally and physically exhausting to have to deal with the Lions' offense, let alone a good running back like Najee Harris.
1: I will I will give them this on the run defense too. And I'd have to go back and watch the tapes. I might get this wrong, but I don't remember them doing anything up the middle, like all those Najee Harris runs. He had to like get to the outside and just Mm -hmm. really work to get those yards. And again, yeah, some of that came from some missed tackles on that, on that 12 that he got, but they weren't giving up anything. They weren't getting beat on the line is my point. Like there was nothing, there was nothing coming up between the tackles to really just gash the lions or punish them or out physical them.
0: And and I think one of the things too, that the Lions defense can hang its head on is that they didn't give up really any, Big time plays, like no huge chunk plays. Like Jeremy just mentioned, you know, the longest run being the Mason Rudolph run. The only other longest big, pass, I think, was
1: to Deontay Johnson for 13 yards, too. Like, well, I, I think th- there's oh, 36, there's really, excuse me. But, but that was, but that was a play that out.
0: resulted in the turnover. So like yeah, there's, yeah. there's that play. And then the only other big chunk play I can think of is the pass interference call. Right. Like yeah. on that, I, I think the lions did a really good job of like Jeremy said, bottling up their, their offense and keeping it all in front of them. And they didn't give up any big plays, you know, consequently, I, well, I guess the Steelers did give up the big run to Godwin Iguabuque, but yeah. Um, you know, this was just a, like, a. it was a game that felt like it was played all inside the numbers. Right. Like it was just, it was a gross game, man.
1: It's it, it, was, it was a quintessential when people talk about Steelers football, the lions play went out there and played Steelers football with the Steelers. They played they between did. the numbers they yeah. played in sloppy weather and they played hard nosed
2: and physical. Yeah. That's, I think that's a really good way to put it. And, and they did so after getting punched in the mouth on the opening drive, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they give up seven points right away and didn't, I mean, Looked and like immediately was went be three out, day. Yeah. Yeah. And they give up nine points the rest of the way. Like you, you can't, you can't hate on this defensive performance that they kept them in there, especially like Ryan said, with the turnovers and you know, there, there's stuff to build on. I don't think this is a great defense by any means, because again, it doesn't need to be put into context here. We're dealing with a backup quarterback. We're dealing with a Steelers offense that really had, wasn't that good. No chase Claypool either. Yeah, No chase Claypool as well. And they, they were dealing with a bunch of injuries on their side too. They uh, missed a couple uh, guys on their offensive line. I was going
0: to say, I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was an interior offensive lineman that went out at yeah. some point in the game. It was like, <clears> there's still some, there's still a good chunk left of the game. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, Chris, I think you put it perfectly by saying, I mean, the Lions went into Steelers territory and, just, yeah. and played, played Steelers football with
1: them for, uh, too long, 70 minutes too, too, long. <laughs> too long way too long way too long let's never do this again i i i hope there's not a hangover next week but i will not be surprised if it does happen just because that's 70 minutes of just grueling exhaustion that is brutal and i look we're gonna have to keep on an, the an eye on the injury report this week because if any of those guys are out for appreciable time like I think Alex Anzalone is a great player, but yeah, you need guys like Tracy Walker. You need guys like Jerry Jacobs out there, not having those guys. Like you're really testing your depth at this point. Yeah. You really, really, really are I, testing your depth.
0: There, there was, there was one other player that I wanted to just give a a shout out to for what well, I thought, I mean, on a first watch, like played a really good game, especially after having such a brutal game against Philadelphia. And I thought Michael Brockers made quite a few plays early in the, on yep. in the run Definitely. game, especially. Yeah. <clears throat> so
1: Yeah, But I mean, I I say, I I realize, I'm sorry, I'll let Jeremy get to it in a second, but just real quick, like, I know I say that we're testing the depth, but even me saying that, like, I would say in the past, like, when we got to depth, it was kind of game over at that point, though. So I will give that to, to the defensive coaching staff that we are getting like three guys deep on the depth chart now, and you're still getting some performances out. And now granted, again, against a banged up Steelers offense, I know.
2: But I, I I think Gilbert's like the, the perfect example, right? Like he's yeah. a guy that, that absolutely shouldn't be playing right now. And <laughs> he got beat a couple times, including on the big play, but he also came up with a big play. So you, you kind of take the good with the bad. And and I think that's, that's what the lines are looking to see, right? Like a guy who fights like that, a guy who is hungry out there. And, and you know, if he gets beat on a play, he's not going to hang his head low. He's going to go out there and try to punch the ball loose. And so you get that. um, Yeah. We'll, we'll see how these injuries play out. Jacobs is an interesting one because we're, we're also kind of lining up with maybe the return of Ifatu out He he got, he returned to practice this week. So maybe that expedites that process. Although Aubrey pleasant um, said, you know, they don't want to force him in with, with the injury that he's dealing with, but maybe out of necessity, he, he gets some playing time next week if they take him off IR as for the other guys, like, I don't, I don't know what this team is going to do on the edges right now because flowers is just perpetually injured right now. And I did, he, he I think he came back in this game, right? He did. Yes. yes. He came yeah, back. He, time. He, he got the, uh, fumble the recovery, fumble, yeah. on, on Fryer move, <clears throat> but you're, you're dealing with him. You're dealing with Austin Bryant. Like there's not, there's no one really to come off the bench there at all. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, like it, it, I think the biggest one is obviously Tracy Walker. And, and with a concussion, you don't know how long that's going to last. And, could be, could be a week. It could be zero weeks. It could be the rest of the season. You, you never know. It was a pretty vicious hit, obviously, but um, you know it, it's tough because that guy. I mean, that guy's been laying hits like that all freaking year, and he's been playing with a, a lot of moxie. And I thought he's, I thought he was playing another really, really good game. Um, just a great tackler. A lot, I mean, he, it didn't seem like anyone could t- take down Najee Harris one on one, but I think Tracy did it twice or three times on his own. And yeah. so, uh, you know, he even finishes the game second in the team and set with seven tackles, and that's without playing, what, the final, without playing overtime, without playing the fourth quarter, and I think probably most of the third quarter as well. So yeah. um, that's that, that one's going to hurt because, again, not a lot of depth there um, and certainly not a lot of good depth there.
1: Yep. All right. Uh, where else do you want to go with this game? I feel
2: like I'm like – so, I mean, we didn't talk much about the, the, well, we talked a little about, about Decker and, and Sewell. Um, I feel like maybe that's worth revisiting it quickly again, because that was a huge storyline going to this game. What Sewell going to yeah, look no, like I against thought, DJ I, Watt? I thought they both played fine. I, I
1: know that the pits, I don't know the state of the Pittsburgh defense too well. I'm looking up some stats right now to kind of reacquaint myself on what I should expect out of them baseline. But if there was any worry that, That uh, you know Sewell was going to go to the right side and become a turnstile that was not seen here. Um, Excuse me while I look this up. Um, No, I'm not not being prepared. But Pittsburgh came in as like the 13th ranked DVOA on defense, uh, 20th in pass, ninth in rush, and the Lions. I mean ninth in rush, top 10 in rush, rush defense efficiency. Lions kind of had their way with them on the ground, and Mm -hmm. a lot of that again was because you had Sewell on the right side. You had the sit. You had the six uh, lineman sets with Matt Nelson, which a good use for Matt Nelson. It's you know great to see that he's getting a good role with the offense still, even though he's kind of lost that tackle job now with with Decker coming back. And I thought Decker had a pretty fine return. I'd have to see the PFF grades, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I,
2: I, I was go gonna ahead. say. I,
0: I was gonna say real quick. I, I didn't notice like a lot of bad out of Decker. I know that there was one false start penalty, but you know I I guess the best mark of of a good offensive
2: lineman is not noticing them right so yeah also I think he had a holding in overtime and kind of a given up sack there but yeah I think overall fine Um, you know I I, I, I'm eager to go back and see why play action was so inefficient and I think part of it is just like that is a really um, disciplined Steelers defense in that like just like any of those like naked bootlegs where you're, you're play actioning and then running and they, you know, they have like a, an unblocked defender and the lines, I guess were convinced that they're, they were running the ball so well that that unblocked defender would come crashing down. And every single time, that's not what happened. Like Jared Goff would come and there was a guy right there in his face. And we mentioned before, like the, the, the screens weren't working. It just seemed like every passing option that this team had was just not working. And I don't necessarily think it's, to me, it, I feel like it's more of a scheme thing because I don't feel like this team is that bad of a pass blocking team. It's just when you have an, you know, those naked bootlegs, you have an unblocked defender, and you're you're assuming they're not going to bite, or you assume they are going to bite, and they weren't. So, it's it's frustrating that the the passing game couldn't get going with an improved offensive line, and maybe that's something that they'll look at. Going down the line is like maybe not get so create fancy with these passing plays and just do straight dropbacks because you know towards the end of that game there were a lot of straight dropbacks and I think golf mostly had a clean pocket and just refused to throw the ball right held on the ball far too long and especially in overtime it seemed like and uh, that's the reason why the passing game wasn't going and and you know golf did take a few shots beyond ten yards finally I think in overtime and those didn't work out either so a lot a lot of answers uh to your questions to be answered i should say on especially in the passing offense but overall i thought the offensive line was was a big step in the right direction and uh you know like you said being able to run like they did against a a top 10 dvoa team and run defense it's it's something to build on now can i um oh sorry
1: ryan were you gonna get on something or? no okay um i feel like we've got a few minutes in this segment i want to spend the next segment talking about what comes next for the lions and looking at the rest of the schedule. And, but I feel like can, this is a safe spot to at least like get out what is left that we can say about Jared Goff. in that, like, I mean, I I know at this point, I don't know what else there is to say It speaks for itself, but I'm more worried that like, again, you knew he was hurt in this game and you just kept the decision was to keep rolling with
2: him. Well, let me just ask you, do you think they should have gone to David Blau? Either of you.
1: I think the plan was just to keep handing off. Then, yeah, you go with him for like a set or two, and you give Goff time to rest and figure out what's going on with his back and then put him back out there when he is capable of throwing the cat. I know it's not a great capable throwing, but it was clear at some point in that game, the Steelers realized he's not physically able to throw, so let's just stack against the run. It's a difficult decision, I think,
0: for Campbell and the entire coaching staff to make because if Goff feels like he can go, but Campbell says, no, we're going to go with somebody else, It's that's kind of a benching in a way. Like if Goff thinks he can play and Campbell sits him down, I don't know how – I don't know. Like I, I look at the Miami situation, and that's just so wild with what they're doing with Tua. Like in terms of him starting and then not being good enough to start, and then he comes in for Jacoby Brissett, who is healthy enough to play, but then, you know, Tua comes back out. Like with all that weird stuff that's going there, like I, I, I can't, I can't understand how Campbell can jerk around Golf as either the starting quarterback or the backup, um, and and have things be amicable for, I mean, because it, it has to be like even going into next season.
1: Right. But I I guess my point is like you had an excuse to at least pull him out when he wasn't doing too well. And that clearly something was going on with his lower back in this game. And my point was that like you you pull him out to at least like see what's going on with the back. And if your plan was you're just going to keep running the because it was clear with Jared Goff with his banged up back was to keep going in there and keep handing off the ball while that was still working. My point was like, you know, if that's the plan, then just take him out while you're trying to figure out what's going on with that. I mean, not to pull them completely, but to manage that a little better. I don't know.
0: Putting Blau in there, I don't think it improves their chances of winning at all. So I I think that's
1: just kind of the, I don't know, that's the conclusion that I I I get that people are exhausted and like, I mean, my God, the stats speak for themselves. I do too.
0: I do too. But I, I don't know if this was the game to do it. Like if, like you're saying, Chris, I think that that, I think that argument also works in the other favor too, where it's like, if you know, you're just going to hand the ball off and just keep Goff in there. Cause he's not going to be asked
2: to throw anyways. The, and then, you know, the other thing, and, and we're recording this right after the game. So we didn't get to watch any of the press conferences live. We haven't watched them yet, um, but you know, reading some of the quotes on, on Twitter, it sounds like both Goff and Dan Campbell said, you know, kind of the heavy run thing was, was just as much, you know, not only it was working, better but um it was a weather thing you know the weather conditions and and we saw it a little bit with the Steelers too right like everyone's kind of slipping and sliding out there and um but they were like the Steelers were still able to do some things in the passing game right and I feel like the Lions could have done some things in the passing game and I don't know either way like it was it was just kind of a perfect storm for this just to be a terrible Jared Goff game in that he, he suffers an injury early the weather's horrible the running game's working so why move from it and I, I, it's just it's hard to watch this offense is, is very very hard to watch when the running game isn't working and even when it is working sometimes it feels like they're being overly reliant on it and i don't know just like i can't i can't stand to watch huh? another third and five plus draw play it's driving how many, me crazy how,
1: how many times did golf get sacked in this game though four times right yeah and yeah. both those times how many how many yards did he sacked on a lot of like he got i think it was like he lost 37 close, total yards. I so close to 10 yards average each sack. Yeah. And again it's that, it's that thing cuz he sees the sack coming and rather than either eating it or trying to like move in a way to avoid it he wheels backwards every time and it turns into like a 10 yard 8 10 yard sack.
0: Well I think this is the point that Jeremy made earlier like the Lions defense Mason Rudolph dropped back to pass 54 times and they recorded no sacks. It seemed like they got very little pressure on him. By contrast, we have how many passing attempts from Jared Goff in this game? Twenty-five.
2: Half it exactly. half.
0: 25 and he gets sacked on four of them. I mean, and the pressure was even greater than that too. Like there, there were plays. I, I would venture to say that maybe one out of every three Jared Goff plays, he was pressured or he got sacked.
1: I want to, I want to ask this to you guys, cause I'm seeing this becoming a trope among fans and I don't buy into it, but I'm just curious if you guys are even willing to entertain at all. Cause I, I am starting to see people say, well, if you're going to keep playing Jared Goff, eventually you're going to lose the rest of the locker room because he's not good and not driving that offense and putting the defense back out there, et cetera, et cetera. Do you buy into that at all? Cause I don't, I don't think that wins or loses a locker room.
2: What, the lions do with Jared Goff. That would only be true. If there was someone waiting, if the Lions like had a rookie waiting in the wings, the Lions don't David Blau is not that dude. Maybe they might like Tim Boyle a little bit better. And and it wouldn't completely shock me to see Tim Boyle at some point, but right now, like they don't have an option. And even I I even saw on Twitter, like Deandre Swift called it, it a gutsy performance from Jared Goff today for, for fighting through his injury. And so I don't think that's true right now at all. I don't think if, if, if there was a better option on the table, maybe you'd lose the locker room, but there's just, I mean, there's not a better option. There's, there's all like everyone is in the same boat right now, where it's like, we just have to go with the guys we got. There's no one that we can replace these guys at almost every single position where it's like, Oh, we need an upgrade. Let's go get this guy on the bench. No, there's no, no one there. and And, and that's, that's the scary thing, right? Is like this, I think this coaching staff, believes like if you're not if not pulling your weight you're not gonna play we're gonna play the guy that's that's hungry on the bench well we're getting to the very back of the bench here where it's like okay even if you're not playing hard you're the only guy we got to, to put out there so you gotta play and so th- I think that's where they are with Jared Goff like David Blau is not the answer David Blau doesn't get the lines to win in this game he I, I
0: I think right now to Jeremy's point I think right now that those players look around that locker room and they're like Wow, a lot of the guys that we were planning on like being here, helping us contribute, aren't here. This sucks. We're really shorthanded. I don't think that they're pointing the finger at Jared Goff necessarily at this point.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I don't, I
0: don't, I don't think the defense would have played the way that it played. I don't think the offensive line would have blocked in the run game the way that they blocked in the run game if they if, if they were given up. So yeah.
1: All right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to look towards what comes next for the Lions uh, in their now no longer only losses uh, win record and what can change in the meantime. And uh, I don't know if we'll say preview for the Browns game, but, you know, just kind of picking up the scraps from this game. We're wrapping up shop here next on the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Welcome back and wrapping up on the Pride of Detroit POD cast after a non-loss for the Detroit Lions. I'm going to have two weeks in a row, two Two weeks weeks in a a row. row, no losses. Hey man, Dan Campbell promised us open change and we're getting a little bit of that. So I guess my question moving forward, and I hate to run back on this bicycle again to this question, but. Looking at the rest of the schedule, Jeremy, where does the next likely win come from? If anything at this point, can I, can I change the question to where does the next non loss come from? Yes, you can. You can. (laughs) If this team goes 08, 015 and two, I will consider that like an amazing season. Does that count as
2: one win? Technically it does. Yes. In the standings, but I don't, I don't think people, I will, I will, I think people would still consider it a winless season. Either way. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it depends. Like like we said, there were some building blocks from this performance. I think the secondary played okay. I think the linebacking crew did well in coverage, and I think the running game was good there. The question is, you know, they also exposed themselves as incapable of doing anything other than running the ball, although weather, back injury, whatever. Um, you look at the Browns next week, they're a really inconsistent team. I mean, we saw what happened to them this week at the hands of the Patriots, Sometimes they're, they're killing teams. Sometimes they're not. I think they might be a kind of good matchup because they're, they're a lot like this. They're built a lot like the Steelers, in my opinion, like they have a really good, strong defensive front. There's some questions about their passing game. There's questions about their offense. That's, that's the best matchup you're going to get for a line team that doesn't have a lot of strengths on their own then. Um, You know, like bears are are kind of the same way too, right? Like good defense, not so good passing offense, although we'll we'll see how Justin Fields builds on, on last week's performance. I don't know. Like, I, I think part part of I feel like there's been some optimism coming out of the buy that like they'll be getting some players back. You know, we saw the fruits of getting Decker back. Maybe Fatu who comes back soon. Um, all that sort of stuff. But then, like, with all the injuries that happened in this game, it's like, well, if Tracy Walker's out for a long time, if Jerry Jacobs is out for a long time, it's like now it seems like all the positives of the guys that are coming back are being erased by all the negatives. Of these guys coming back, but again. Maybe maybe getting Jamal Williams back helps the, the run game even more. I don't know. It to me, I I don't think this game has changed the trajectory of 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 my thoughts on how the rest of the season is going to play out. But again, like not a lot of people gave him a shot here against the Steelers on the road, a place they haven't won in fifty since nineteen fifty five, and I know was a backup quarterback. But I think even then, most people thought this was probably still going to be a loss. So anything can happen any week but I'm not feeling any better or worse about this team or their chances going forward. I got a take about the Lions run game, especially when it
0: comes to this this game that they just had against Pittsburgh. I know earlier we talked about if Ben Roethlisberger, had he played this game, probably a Pittsburgh Steelers win. Without Roethlisberger playing, I think if Jamal Williams plays in this game, I think the Lions win this game. Because if we, I, I would agree with that. I would if, really agree with that. If, if we look at the way that DeAndre Swift has run the ball this year, which has not been good, like he has, he has not been a good runner. And I know getting Decker back was gonna was gonna do wonders for that. But could you imagine what Jamal Williams would have been able to do today? I mean, this is the one game, Jeremy, where the Lions didn't have to abandon their game plan. Like they, they were able to stick to the run from the very beginning to the very end. And I think that if Jamal Williams plays this game, like that's, that's a huge upgrade, but here's the thing. Are the lions ever going to have another opportunity to play a game of football the way they want to play it with the way that Dan Campbell wants to call call the game. And I know totally situationally, like it made a lot of sense to run the football a lot, but I think the one thing that we need to consider and like Jeremy said, the the hope coming out of the buy was that some more players would get healthy and this roster would hopefully at least you know put together some semblance of uh you know a a a, a replacement level team but getting Josh Reynolds like what is that going to do for this offense like i think i think that's a huge question mark i think yeah does 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 Josh Reynolds provide an opportunity for Dan Campbell to do the things that he says he wants to do with his offense? Can't, can they get vertical, you know, missing somebody like Tyrell Williams for effectively the entire season, somebody who is supposed to quote unquote, you know, take the top off the defense, you know, him and Perryman, your number one and number two wide receivers, the guys who are supposed to be the burners, they're both gone. Josh Reynolds seems like he can be that guy. Is he going to get the opportunity? Will Jared Goff have enough time to make throws like that? I, I, I think that's probably the thing that I'm looking forward most to seeing down the stretches. you know, can Jared Goff, and I'm not saying Josh Reynolds is, is the elixir that's going to cure the, the ills of this Lions passing game. Cause I, he he's, he's one player and I don't think he can do it all on his own, but they, they have to, they have to try something, Jeremy, like, they have to try something.
2: They do. Hopefully hopefully they get better weather next week in in Cleveland because I I guess I'm willing to say like, you know what, fine. If that's your excuse this week that you didn't push the ball downfield is you took one shot early on and Jared Goff missed it and the rain and and sleet and whatever it was made it so we we couldn't throw it more than 10 yards downfield and even then we were shaky in doing that. I'll I'll, I'll give you a one-week pass for that. But with Josh Reynolds in the lineup, you got to throw something at least like I'm not asking for 40 yard bombs all the time. Something in the 10 to 20 range, intermediate passes. We're not even seeing those right now. So give, give I me, just, give me five I, of those a game. I,
1: I I'll do it even better. I'll just say, I just wanted it earlier. Cause again, like he had that connection late in the game to Amon Ra St. Brown. Right. And I don't know if that's the old line of, you know, Campbell talking about that only happens because they're in cover two or whatever. I didn't, I wasn't paying attention too deeply to see if they were in cover two And, and, you know, close in near the end of the game, I would hope they're not covered two, but like, I mean, they clearly have something with Amon Ross St. Brown. They're just, that's only appears in the fourth quarter, right? That can't happen. You, you need to like start activating it earlier in the game. And if Josh Reynolds helps you do it, I just, I don't understand why it takes all this time to warm up the, uh, the golf cannon to fire off a little pew pew. Um, I guess my big worry going into this one, and it's not a coherent worry, but, and maybe I'll ask you guys, like I'm half worried about a come down game. Cause once again, this game feels like it took a lot out of the lions. So I'm kind of, I'm not saying it's going to be an Eagles game, but if they could, I could see them starting a little bit of flat against the Browns and for a team this bad, they don't really have a lot of room to really have a bad quarter. Well, I mean,
0: the, I was going to say real quick that the Browns are a team that can't afford to have another bad game or to, right. to, I mean, especially against a team like the lions, like the, the Browns are, are a team that are, is built to beat Detroit. I know Jeremy said it's like a favorable matchup because they resemble the Steelers in a lot of ways, but the Browns have much different aspirations than the lions do. And their roster is just in a completely different spot. So like they are a team that should 100% beat Detroit next week. Let but, me
1: ask. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me ask this to Jeremy then, because the Lions will have to play Cleveland. And if they, I mean, it's, it's a team, if they are built to beat Detroit, I guess the question is with these injuries lingering and you're going to have a short week, are you just kind of giving up the go? Like, I don't know how much you're going to throw at Cleveland that you, when you have the bears
2: coming on Thanksgiving. I mean, if you believe in all the the football tropes and, and things that, that Dan Campbell will be saying this week and you, know, you, they're, they're not going to be looking past this week. They're not going to be thinking about, Oh, well, let's hold off on some stuff so that we can save it for Thanksgiving or hold back in any sort of way. And I think that's probably true. I, f- I feel like Dan Campbell's at his word. They're like, there's, there's no point in saving anything or holding anything back or, you know, doing whatever, like may- maybe there are some players that, that are injured and they'll be like, eh, I'm not sure if they're going to be ready on, on Sunday, but they definitely will be ready for Thursday. They might do something like that. Um, but you know, it, it, I don't think it ultimately will, will matter too much. I don't know. Like I, I I don't want to focus too much on Cleveland because I haven't really done a full scouting report of them or anything, but just with their wild inconsistencies this year and the lines basically staying in most of the games, I, I I assume it'll probably be a close one, but yeah, I mean like if, if, if you're the kind of person that believes these sort of things take an emotional toll on you and you come back the next week worse. And you know, the, the, the Browns are in the opposite position where like now they're fired up because they just got smoked. Yeah. Like that would match up for maybe another letdown game. I, I, I don't know. I feel like we could kind of re- read into those narratives a little bit too much after the fact, because sometimes, you know, sometimes when you get beat down like that, it, you, you get, you lose, you go on an eight game losing streak and you're like, well, that, that, 30 point loss really took the piss out of this team. Or if you lose a close game and, you know, it's a heartbreaker, sometimes that motivates you to, to maybe win a, a huge game the following week. I don't know. I just, well, the week, and, and this goes into my whole like, spiel. Like I don't believe a lot in week to week momentum, to be honest. And so I think it's just which team goes and shows up. And I don't think this week has any, this week's um, results really have anything to do with how, how the teams are going to play next week. So, so,
0: well, I was going to say my question for both of you is, if the lions, if the lions come out and they have another Bengals game or they have another Eagles game, is that
1: something that it's fair to criticize the coaching staff? Yeah, I think I said I said the other week during the bye week, like one, maybe one and a half, two times. Like that's just the course of a football season that you're just going to have these weird uh, layouts. But if it starts to become a pattern where you know, you play these hard fought downs, the wire games, all effort, empty the playbook and then come out flat the next week. Then, yeah, I think that's a, that's a preparation problem.
2: I thought, I thought this game was a big, like going in. I'm like, this is, this is going to show me a lot about the Lions coaching staff because they had two weeks to prepare because they were saying all these things, like we're going to change things offensively up and, and all that sort of stuff. And listen, the, the weather probably, had it so they couldn't open up the playbook as as much as they wanted. And um, yeah. And I I saw, I saw plenty of fans who were actually mad at at Dan Campbell for
1: some of the play calling that was going on.
2: And I'll be honest. I was too. Like I, like I've said probably three times already in this podcast. Like I I can't take another third and long draw play. I just can't. Like I understand it worked once I understand it worked maybe once or twice against the Rams, but it's just not a good percentage play. That's not a high percentage play. It's a, It's a lot better chance that you're going to complete a pass. And probably even with this offense, like I feel like they're going further and further away from, from throwing the ball. And I I understand like, okay, but the running game was actually working this game. Yes, I get that. But not on third and longs, it just doesn't, that's that you're not going to, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And so that's to me the frustrating thing, but again, I'm willing to give at least a half pass here because of the weather. If they don't come out, I, I guess maybe I'm, I'm pushing it down a week. Like, I thought they were going to be a little more aggressive on offense this week. Maybe the, the game, the weather didn't dictate that. So if they don't come out and and aren't at least a little bit more aggressive next week against the Browns, then yeah, I'm going to have some concerns with the coaching staff and it'll be interesting to see what, what Campbell does with the, with the offensive play calling. I'll have to self-scout, see how he thinks he did. Um, and, and I don't know, like, is that, do you guys think is that kind of a thing where it's like the, the toothpaste is out of the tube, you, you know, Anthony Lynn's not going to get, those play calling duties back the rest of the season.
1: I feel um, like this was half an experiment, to be honest. I don't think it's a lack of faith in Anthony Lynn. It's just maybe, I, I think it might just be like, he feels maybe more comfortable coaching now and that he's, it, it's one of two things. I, I, I interpreted him taking the play calling one of two ways, either EA, he's more comfortable. He always wanted to play call. And he's just, he was waiting it out because he just wanted to get comfortable with the roster first and everything that went into it. And now he's ready to take up that role or B he's just, I don't want to use the term impatient, but I feel like without play calling, he maybe feels like he could be doing more and wanting to have that control, wanting to be that involved. And maybe that's why he picked it up. But to your question, I I don't know. I think it's still flexible. I don't I don't know. I I could see him giving it back to Anthony Lynn if it's not working.
0: Yeah, I, I think I viewed this as just Campbell shaking things up because they need to be shaken up. Like I I don't necessarily I because here's the thing. I think Campbell's a big enough man that it's not one of those things where it is a you know toothpaste out of the you know, out of the tube type situation, Jeremy, I think that he, if things continue to not work, I mean, I think that Campbell would be willing to say like, all right, let's, I mean, let's try something else. Like we got it. I think that here's the thing that I'll never fault Campbell for. Like, am I don't think I'll ever fault him for trying. Sure. So, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, that's, I think that's the biggest credit that the the coaching staff has gotten all year. Right. Is like, they're not, they're not going into lions versus Rams on the road and thinking we don't got a shot. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're not even going to just try to do what we normally do. We're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to do some crazy shit. And so it is very, I, I, I think it's, it's kind of uncanny what, what he did in this game and in that he's a first time play caller. Like we also have to remember that, like this dude has never called plays at any level of football, Dan Campbell. And he's Mm -hmm. like, why the hell not and try. And (laughs) I, I don't know, like I, I have mixed feelings about it overall. I do think it, it's a little impulsive, which I, I feel like I'm getting more and more a sense that then Dan Campbell is kind of an impulsive guy. Um, and I don't know, like it, what are you thinking right now? If you're Anthony Lynn, like a guy who's who really spent a long part of his career developing a, 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 pretty good reputation as an offensive guru, not guru, but you know, offensive mind. I know he's only play called for a year as well, but um, I don't know it, it to me. It, it's interesting. I, I guess I I'm not going to, well, it, if he only played calls four maybe he's the, the one hell not, who's... but as long as you're not like losing Anthony Lynn, like that's something I would kind of be concerned about. Like if I was Anthony Lynn, I might be a little pissed, right?
0: Well, I don't know. Hopefully Anthony Lynn will find the UF the, the USC
1: tr- rumors to be true, right, Chris? I don't know what you're saying. That is going to future USC head coach Mike Tomlin. <laughs> uh well grumble go, yeah. Guys. Well. The Lions tied I, and they are not going to be the first team to go 0 yeah. and 17. Yeah. They still have a chance to go 0 16 and 1, though. True. But I still think, I don't know, like, I hate to do most winnable game on the schedule here that's left. If you guys have any thoughts on that, I'm willing to punt on that. I have an answer, but I don't want to jinx it at this point. I have an answer. Yeah. It it's, might be it's my. The, it's
0: it's the Bears on Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, I was gonna say the Falcons.
0: No, Matt Ryan. No, Matt Ryan's too good. If Matt Ryan plays, it could be Josh Rosen. They have Kyle Pitts.
1: <laughs> I see what's going on with Ryan now. <laughs> I see what's the. It's plain as day. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? If you look at the schedule, I think.
2: The Lions are undefeated in November.
1: I think you're. Oh wait, hold up. So in
2: November, so Browns,
1: gonna, whoa, the Browns Bears.
2: No, no, I. Th- I'm saying or, the Lions are currently undefeated in November. Okay, I think that's. Well, they stay undefeated, podcast. Jeremy. I don't care. <laughs> you don't care. I'm not, I'm not taking part in this conversation because they can win any game left on the schedule and they could lose the rest of the games on the schedule. I don't know. What do you think's more likely? I don't know. They'll, they'll win a game. I don't think they're going to. They'll win a game. They'll still win a game. I will say they'll still win a game. Coward. are' not going to choose who. Coward. It's, you know what? The part that sucks about it is like I think neutral field, their most winnable games are the Broncos, the Falcons, and the Browns all those games are on the road
0: or, or, yeah, all of them are on the road. So that sucks. that's fair.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get out of here. Shall we? Uh, that is Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit online. Ryan Matthews, the rock God at Ryan underscore POD. I'm Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And as always, we will see you star side. Lions got a